Hi there, it's Diana, and I'm so happy that you've tuned in to Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2. Cindy and Devin are here to join me in breaking it all down. We did have a bit of technical difficulties, but we powered through it. We hope there's minimal disruption. Please enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana, and today we're talking about Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2. Cindy and Devin are back. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Diana. We're, We're fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. Good to hear. Well, so excited to talk about Volume 2. Devin, you were talking about how action-packed these two episodes were. And we're going to dig into that. But first, we're going to do our question of the day. And the question of the day is, what is your favorite heavy metal song? And so I did a poll. Actually, there was quite a few. There was some ties here. Poll results. Fourth place, there were three in fourth place. First one is Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses which was one of my picks. That's the other one. one is, yeah, I love that song. The other one is Chop Suey by System of a Down. Mm. And Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, huh. which was another one of my picks. And so in third place was Wait and Bleed by Slipknot. Mm. I don't know that song. How many teenagers love for that? <laughs> Oh, it's in fourth or yeah, third, third place. And then in second place, there's a tie between Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne and Rocky Like a Hurricane by Scorpions. That's a good one. It won't be hard to guess what the number one pick was in this poll. It was Master of Puppets by Metallica. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I had a few write-ins also. So that was uh, interesting, too. And I had uh, Alice in Chains, Them Bones, hmm. Disturbed, Down with the Sickness. I'm Winterwald by, I don't know this person, Paysage Dever. Yeah. Okay. Immortal by Lorna Shore. Enter Sandman by Metallica. Know that one. And yeah. Oh, I have something to say when I have something to bring up about that one. And then Chelsea Smile by Bring Me the Horizon. Hmm. I love it that people, I, I feel like when people write them in, they're passionate about those songs, sure. you uh-huh. know, and they're like, oh, I really want, you know, I really want this recommendation or this in the poll because it really means a lot to me. Yeah. So tell me, you guys, what is your favorite heavy metal song? So my favorite heavy metal song is probably Flight of Icarus by Iron Maiden. Uh, That is just my all-time favorite. But it was funny, after I was looking through your list, it reminded me the Scorpions, and my favorite is I'm Leaving You. That's just one of the best. And uh, so I would have to give it a tie between those two for myself. Devin? Actually... I have three songs. The first song is Shoot to Thrill by ACDC. That's a song. Ah. When I listen to that song, it doesn't matter how many times I've heard it, I start tapping my foot and I feel like punching myself in the face. <laughs> so that's a, number, that's a good one. Um, the other two would be Ace of Spades by Motorhead. 
or mm-hmm. Aces High by Iron Maid. So those are awesome picks, but you guys have great, great picks. I had a hard time. I always have a hard time with music. I think uh, I kind of told you two of my picks, and it was uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, because that song, I don't know, it just, it does something to me the way that you said ACDC, uh, that song does something to you. Although I love ACDC. I'm surprised I didn't put one of their songs on this list because I am an ACDC fan. I just love them. That was probably one of the first uh, rock bands that I heard back in the day. And so they do uh, mean, you know, mean something to me. And then of course I did pick um, Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, but there's so many Led Zeppelin songs I love too. But something more current, I I picked uh, Avenged Sevenfold, um, and actually that song's been uh, in my head all this week, yeah. and uh, that's Afterlife. And I think it's because you know my son's pl- you know playing music, and and he played that music a lot, and so I heard it a lot, and I didn't know it know them beforehand, so he brought them to my attention. And so I've learned a lot of music through my son. So that was one that kind of means, I don't know, kind of means something to me just because it came through him. But Metallica, uh, they're just, they're kind of, do I dare I say it? They're kind of the kings of this in a way, you know, people. Uh, well, they're very know. mainstream in, yeah. in today's right. music. I think that's why when you say, you know, heavy metal, that, you instantly think, oh, that's a traditional metal band. So that's yeah. mainstream. Exactly. Top, top 40. <laughs> top 40 in the uh, heavy metal world. So Yeah, yeah. and it, they've been around, around for a long time. That song's mm-hmm. not new. It's been around quite a while. Well, in the 80s, right? right. Uh, so I did want to bring up one thing that when I was looking through these heavy metal songs that I wanted to bring up to you guys was... Um, there was a, um, a drummer, Larnell Lewis. I don't know if you've heard of him. I wasn't aware of him. He's a jazz drummer. And there is this YouTube video that I'm going to put in my show notes so that people can go and tune in. I found it so fascinating. I was just riveted by it, but I really like to watch musicians, them work. And so what he did was he listened to Enter Sandman, which he had never heard before. And he even says at the beginning beginning of this YouTube video, he says, I know you're not going to believe me, but I'm telling you the absolute truth. I've never heard the song before. He says, but I'm going to listen to it. It's playing as he's talking through it, like how he would, you know, what he hears the drummer doing. After you hear him listen through the whole song, he plays it with the song. He is so good. Yeah. (laughs) And... You know, there was comments and everything and saying, well, this isn't the hardest song to play. But at the same time, it's really hard when it's you've only heard it one time. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, this guy, I think, is award winning jazz drummer. So I just I loved watching it. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. And I'm going to share that in um, in the links for anybody that wants to check it out. Yeah, that's cool. We'll definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, friends out there, let us know, did we touch on your favorite heavy metal song? If we did or if we didn't, we'd love to know. You can leave us a comment on social media, our website, or email us at screensandfocus at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. The links are in the show notes. Okay, let's get into it. So, fantastic season 
for the entirety of it. It was just amazing. I felt like this season was so revealing, and these last two episodes were jam-packed with information. We learned so much about Vecna and his intention, and we understand what's at stake. There's an urgency to each group, right? And what I love is that they were able to incorporate these tender moments through all the chaos that was happening. And I love that the show is so good at connecting all the pieces. And I want to give a shout out to the Duffer Brothers and their editor, Dean Zimmerman, because I just think that this whole content, everything, it's just brilliant. So let's dig into season four, episode eight, Papa. So Nancy becomes Vecna's messenger about Hawkins' future. The group set out to kill Vecna with Max as bait. And in Russia, we see Hopper and Joyce are trying to escape, and they discover these demo dogs. We talked about the demo bats, now it's the demo dogs. And these creatures in the tanks. And then Elle wakes up with her powers. We learn of her backstory. And she wants to help her friends. But of course, Brenner has his own agenda and motivations. And then, of course, we see Mike, Will, Jonathan, and Argyle look for Eleven. So we're kind of going to do what we did in the uh, volume one, go through the groups that we saw. And so let's start with Nancy and the group. I thought it was interesting that Vecna let Nancy live and wants her to tell Eleven everything that he has shown her. I want to know what you guys thought about that. And what do you think Vecna ultimately really wants? Well, I'll go first. I think that, you know, what's very interesting is that now we know, I think we know in those episodes, that Eleven created the first rift and through number one through the rift, making him Vecna. And so they're really connected because almost his birth. And I think, you know, the reasons that he chose Nancy is because she's connected to Eleven. She's already connected to Vecna by her traveling to the Upside Down. And she's a reporter. And she, ah. already, wanted to, she already wanted to find the truth. So she also, she also has so much of the backstory already. She was traumatized that, you know, he could pull, uh, you know, the, the death of Barb is what he used for her. Each person has their own yeah. regret or whatever. And so she, she had the death of Barb that he used for her. And uh, so, you know, it made her the perfect emissary so that Vecna could reach 11 and make her pay and feel the fear and trauma for his rejection, um, basically setting setting up a, you know, a high noon situation, you know, uh, so I think that's why he used her um, to convey all, all of that to, to Eleven. Hey, this is where I'm hanging out. This is what it looks like. This is what I can do. And there's nothing you can do about it, basically. So I think that was uh, my, my, what I got from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you said she was a reporter. Mm-hmm. I had not thought of that. And Me I think neither. That, that makes great sense because, um, yeah, she she knows all the details and she can, you know, come back and, and report back what she has seen. And I, I think Nancy's character is just so unique to everybody else. It's almost like she, I don't know. It's like, she's, um, she's just so different from the rest of them. And so I felt it was interesting that he used her of all the people because she 
she's kind of part of the side story. She's not the main group of people and she's older. And, um, you know, I, I think again, she had that regret with Barb so he could easily pull her in. And I think emotion wise, he seems to grasp the people. Well, we don't know some of the characters very well that he grabbed, but the ones that we do know, he tended to grab the more emotional, um, characters, the ones who had a lot more going on internally. And, um, and I think she's got a lot going on. She seems to be a pretty emotional teenager. I felt like she was easy to lure. She was, but at the same time, I I think she's pretty strong. Yeah. Also, I don't know. I kept wondering why is he using her as the messenger? But I love Devin that you said, She's a reporter, and for her to report back, that is like that's a cool insight. I love that. Yeah, and they spend a lot I, of time oh, focusing on that, on her being a reporter. So yeah. it would make sense. Yeah. yeah, I also wondered why he wants. I feel like he wants eleven. Do you think he wants eleven to see what he's done or what he's going to do? Like, hey, you created this, and now see what I'm going to do. Or yes. do you think he wants her to join him at all? No. I think that when she, quote unquote, killed him by throwing him through that first rift, he wanted to show her what he's been up to. Like, hey, and it, this is all of your fault. You know, he preys on everybody's re- regrets and, and fears. Uh, her, her regret and fear would be how she handled that situation. And, and look what she's done. She's created this huge monster that's going to basically swallow up Hawkins mm-hmm. and he wants to her to see it before it happens. That's, that's what I got from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh my God. I know. I know. It's like, we have to like try and put these pieces together of what we know so we can figure out what's going to happen knowing that season five is the final season. So, um, and I think that's why season four was so ramped up. Mm-hmm. I saw, um, clips because i haven't gone back to see uh season one which i'm going to in before season five comes out i'm gonna go back and rewatch. but they're babies you guys are so much babies their faces yeah i'm like oh my gosh when they started out anyway let's get to uh what's happening in russia with the demo dogs and those particles what did you think about all of that yeah I thought it was interesting how they were fighting them. I I hadn't paid too much attention to the particles until you brought it up in this. Um, I just kind of thought of the particles when I was watching as being like this uh, unearthly feeling, right? It it kind of felt outer spacey, um, alternate universe i mean we're so used to the upside down it felt like there was we see some of that in the upside down it kind of feels non-earthly um and i thought it was it was interesting how they utilized that and i hadn't really given it much thought other than that it just felt like oh here we are back in this um like an upside down type of scenario like almost not real yeah i think the spores are really important and we've seen them from the first season on. I mean, we see them in the upside down. Um, and, and I think that 
it, it appears that the Russians are experimenting on the demo dogs. That's for, and probably to make them weapons of war because, you know, mm-hmm. that's what the Russians do. They get up, they have breakfast, and they start making de- <laughs> weapons of war yeah. to kill us. Um, and I think when Murray uses that flamethrower and kills all the demo, do- demi- demo dogs and the shadow particles within it, um, it's harming a lot of the upside down hive mind by destroying a large piece of the mind flare, including Vecna, who feels a lot of pain due to the mind flare being his extension. You know, everybody's yeah. connected in that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and those spores, I think, are important later. I think we'll talk about them later that, you know, we have to remember what is the main goal here? What does the pro- or antagonist want? Well, he wants to change the real world to be like the upside down. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants to do. He's building these gates. He's trying to get through. And so those spores, I think, I think in my mind are help him basically destroy um, or maybe multi, you know, change them to something different uh, than what we'd like them to be. So spores, bad. That's it. Well, because when it was released, those spores went into the dogs. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume gave That's them right. some uh, extra power or force or whatever it was. So right. I feel as though these, you know, it's him building his army with soldiers all over the place. Mm-hmm. Anything that he can get those particles, those spores into are going to help him in some way. So I, so destroying them is, yeah, to their benefit. And I just thought that that was great that Joyce think it was Joyce that thought to do that. I, I'm not sure whose idea specifically was, but I got the impression it was Joyce who said, we can help from here. I, I'm not really sure who said it, but I know that, you know, I thought it was kind of cool that they that they knew enough that they could help. Oh, I know what it was. They got that phone call. Yes. They got the phone call. Hopper got that phone call saying what was happening over there. And then they knew, ah, oh, if we get rid of this and this is going to help them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about 11 and Brenner because this is entitled Papa. So Brenner has his own motivations and is willing to do what it takes to get what he wants. And 11 tells Papa that he is a monster and he is the one who could not let Henry go. And so She's right. He won't let it go because he uses her to find or try and find one. And that's when the first gate, I believe, is open that she has to close. Right. And I feel like each season since that has happened. Well, I, about him, I, I think he's a very interesting character because you could go either way with him. He did a lot of damage and he, he you know, he had children that he was training in such a way that was militant and you're looking at these kids and thinking, gosh, he's really not their papa. He, he, he doesn't think of them that way. And I think with his relationship with Levin is very unique because she is so powerful. And number one is the most powerful. And he's thinking, Hey, I can use her to find him because I think yeah. that's his greatest mistake and greatest regret. Right. Um, of losing him. Um, and I, I think that, and I wrote down here, you know, despite his warped morals and many questionable decisions, which there were quite a few, I think, in the, 
the chain of events. Uh, in his final act, when he was dying, he tried to save Elle. And right before that, I, you know, I flip flop on him all the time between yeah. is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? Is he a good mm-hmm. guy? And so right there, when he's trying to save Elle, I said, oh, wow, we're going to finally see his true nature as he passes away. Um, and it, it, I guess, kind of proved that he cared for her and she was more than just an experiment to him by saving her that way. But honestly, after thinking about it for a few days after watching it, I kept flip-flopping still. Mm-hmm. And I think now I've landed on the part where he was just, she was just an experiment to him. There was, there, I don't think he was capable of having emotional connection. It was a job. Yeah. So that's my take. I was going to say, I agree with you. I flip-flop on him too at the very end when he was dying and she goes to him she seemed like she wanted to like she was on the fence what is she gonna do is she gonna let him in and feel sorry for him or is she gonna say you know what i see you and walk away and i feel like that's kind of what she did yeah and i was a little surprised i thought oh it was to me it was the ultimate choice with the van showing up with the pizza man showing up waiting yeah. for her. And so there you have all of these friends that she's made since she's been out of that solitary confinement and this life that she was living. And then on the other side is there's Papa, the guy that didn't let her have any friends and she was isolated and all of these things. And it was almost that she made the choice. It was a life choice. Like I want, I want what I have and you're not going to be a part of that. Yeah. And it was, I think it, it stood for, something a lot bigger than just kissing him and saying goodbye type of thing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they gave us that resolution when they let him go. They, they laid it out so that we could resolve that. And that we saw that there was something that felt like an emotion. So at least we knew there was something there, but I agree. I feel like a lot of it was, even maybe him wanting her to um, to live because not because he cared about her, but because that was his project. And, you know, his conflict with him dying was, well, at least she's going to live because she's my project and I want my project to go on to continue. So interesting. Yeah. So at that scene, we get to see Mike, Will, Jonathan, and Argyle arrive. But what I wanted to say about them and that group, that I felt that the conversation that Mike and Will had in that van broke my heart. It broke my heart. And this is why I love this show, because the kids are truly care about each other. They're good people, they're loyal, they're dedicated to each other. I think that the writing is really on point. And I I just think the show is just, I said it earlier, but I, I really do think the show is brilliant. And I love that they can interject these heartfelt moments. And I really appreciated Will's sacrifice of his feelings for his friend, Mike, 
and encouraging him to um, continue to be a leader and fight for Eleven because that's what she needs. And I love that he shares with him the painting that he had and how he shows that he's the leader. He's the one with the heart. He's leading with his heart, that he accepts people when they're different. He doesn't see that they're different. He accepts them for, for who they are. And as those words are coming out of his mouth, you know he's talking about himself. Oh, my God. That was getting to me so much. And I just thought it was so selfless of Will. And then when he turned and just held his mouth like he just didn't want to, you know, bust out crying in front of his friend, he wanted to keep encouraging him to do what he needed to do. And then we see how his brother, uh, Jonathan, is looking in the rearview mirror, watching his brother going through this. And we see that, you know, later on, also when they have that conversation, the two brothers at the uh, at the pizza place. But that's what, you know, that, that really stuck out to me so much during this whole episode. Even though it was so action-packed, that's the scene that really uh that really hit me yeah i think that uh it was really well done and written with a lot of uh what do i want to say they they really respected the characters and how they handled that scene because you know it was very poignant because will's obviously like you said he's in love with mike and we know that but Mike doesn't know that. Mm-mm. And we're watching Will struggle with it. And, and, and from an early age, if you go back and watch some, you know, there, there are some things where he's mad that, that Mike is, is dating girls or 11. There, there's a lot of stuff there. But, you know, he'll never be able to be with Mike. And, and that's going to be hard for his life. And he's going to be, he's always going to feel different. They all feel different as a group. Just like yeah. kind of the Goonies, they, they're the outsiders. But Will is actually farther away from everyone yeah. because of his sexual preferences or whatever you want to call it. And it takes an incredible amount of love for him to explain to Mike that Elle needs him. And as Will needs Mike, and that's the painting. That's how Will sees Mike in that painting. And it was. It was, it was a very poignant and they did it perfectly. They didn't shove it in your face. They didn't, uh, you know, make it a big, huge, huge deal. It respected the characters and it happened within the story, which was awesome. And like you said, it's still action packed. All of a sudden you have like two or three minutes in the van. And what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about, you know, Mike not being supportive of Elle and being afraid that she's going to leave them, et cetera. Anyways, I think it's the best coming out scene I've ever seen on television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Honestly. As you were talking, I got my chills twice. <laughs> uh, I, well, I do that for the wrong reasons, though. <laughs> for people. <laughs> but it was because it was so on point, right? It's it's You were saying the words that resonate with what I feel about the same, about this scene, too. And like I said, it was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. What about you, Cindy? you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, movie? I just think it was well done. I think they they built it into the story without having to scream it out loud and make it over the top. They made it feel very real to, you know, just identify with, you know, just any teenager going through 
an experience of liking someone and watching them like someone else. And, um, and I just thought it was, especially them being such good friends. I think that makes it even harder and they, they played it well. It was good. I can't wait to see how they handle that in the next, the next season. Cause they're going to be so much older then. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to be interested to see how that dynamic. But yeah. I think that of course it's written really well, correct. And, it, and it's directed really well, but I also think that it's acted very well. And I mm-hmm. really feel like though all of, all of we, we've talked about this before, how all of these actors are so good, but it takes a lot to do that scene justice and they did it and it's because of their talent Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about the other talent in a little while too because there is more and that's what's so great about this show it was cast so well you don't just have one or two people that are good you have quite a few really good young actors in this show and i just i just love that i love it when it all comes together like this Okay, so did anything else stand out to you in this episode? I'm thinking uh, like that Michael Myers mask, the Winnebago with uh, CCR playing in the background. I just love all these little things that they incorporate into the show. What would you yeah, guys think? I, I'm going to go first. First of all, the Duffer brothers, I'm not going to say the word steal. They pay homage to many things in the 80s, including... John Carpenter's, um, the way he scored his movies on a little Casio, they do the same thing for Stranger Things. They've dropped, uh, you know, they drop a lot of pop, pop culture hints throughout their, their shows. And the Michael Myers mask, which is awesome because that's really William Shatner. And back when they did Halloween, he was the only mask they could buy. So they went and bought it and then spray painted it white. So that mask is William Shatner. And so it's a double. Oh my god! It's a it's a double oh whammy, god. right? They, they're yeah. not only to Star Trek, but also to Halloween. So I love that because earlier they have what's his name playing the dad of of Vecna or number one, uh, Robert England, who's from Oh yeah Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. So they they've tipped their cap to the Nightmare on Elm Street. They tipped their cap to Star Trek and they and to to um, Halloween. So I really enjoyed that. Um, unfortunately, I think, yeah, Eddie's death stood out to me. And, and as much as I want to say, this is a great show and it is, and it's written really well. I think they took a major miss on that. It was a swing and a miss. They went too far. Um, Eddie, his motivation for, you know, Hey, I want to prove myself. And and he did something that was ridiculous. It didn't do anything. It didn't help anybody. He didn't have to do it. And it just seemed very, very forced to me. Um, that's on the bad side. It, I just feel like he died for nothing. Um, and it was great. He got to say is, you know, I love you to, to um, Dustin and that's awesome. But I just don't think that at that point in time, I mean, he, it was just a bizarre choice to me um, that really stood out. Um, yeah, I just wish he could continue and be part of the gang because he had such great chemistry with everybody. And, uh, I thought it was a lot of fun when they, they stole the Winnebago. That was great. I know it was such a good scene. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Cindy? Did anything else stand out to you in this particular episode? Yeah, I think the Winnebago scene was really fun and it, we needed it to lighten up a little bit. 
it had been so stressful. And then we have the heavy scene and it was, it was just really fun watching them do that. And actually, and I love Robin's character. I think she's one of my favorites. She's got so much personality. And Uh so, you know, she says things at the right time that are very dry and dry. And, you know, I just like her personality. So that was fun. I think that was a good, good point of that show. There were so many little things that happened throughout both uh, episodes, actually all the episodes, but uh, I like how they brought up the four chimes, the four gates, the four deaths, and how they're that they know that there's is going to be one more, and Max figures out it's her. I just like that. I like those little pieces that they give us. Um, and in the very beginning, when this episode first started, and they're trying to get Nancy out of the upside down, and they're rummaging through the place and it's like chaos and they're looking for the music (laughs) and i think robin says she says something about something about music and eddie yells this is music (laughs) oh my gosh i was dying and then when they're in the winnebago steve tells them hang on to something and dustin's all drive steve drive i just i love it, when they just yell these things that they're feeling, it just it's such a crack up. It's such a comic relief from all that pressure, like you were saying, Cindy, how we need certain moments, yes. right? And that that brings those certain moments, right? Something yeah. really impactful and action-packed is happening, and that's just a release. Yes. <laughs> but it cracks me up. It just it's just so funny the way they all react to certain things. And I noticed that that was a thing that they do. They all, they each yell as they're panicking about something. But uh, it's just funny in the way that they do it. And also, at the end of this particular episode, Journey plays again, and it's separate ways. And uh, as they arrive at the Creel house, and um, also James Taylor's song was in when they were driving the motorhome. So, of course, I noticed, I'm sure you guys noticed it, too. It's like, oh, this great music's playing as we're watching it. So, that was a good episode. Okay, so let's get to Season 4, Episode 9, The Piggyback. This was an epic two and a half hour season finale. And I know that we've talked a little bit about Eddie uh, ahead of time here, but that's okay because I have trouble remembering one episode from the other and they just kind of blur together. So we'll do the best that we can. And of course, we may bring up something that happened in the last episode. So, oh, so in the opening of this episode, we see Joyce and Hopper and they have that romantic moment for just a split second. Um, And soon they realize what they have to do. See, like, I think I jumped into this already in the last one. So I, I said I did the same thing. Yeah, that's okay. Devin. That's okay. I <laughs> I'm you. blurring the lines. They got the phone call and yes, I think that happens. They know what they knew what episode. they had to do. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, okay. in volume two, in volume two, <laughs> this happens. So w- what did you guys think about uh, all of that? Um, all of the romantic Joyce moment. and Hopper having to help. See, having to help the kids. There you go. Well, I kind of went on a rant here. And uh, I, but I'm going to read it to you because otherwise I would not be honest. But I've, I've felt all along that Joyce and Hopper do not belong together. And I think there's just, I don't feel any chemistry between them. 
And the scene that um, it just didn't, it didn't move me the way it should have because it really was the buildup. And I get it. I get that they're shipping and they want to put them together and, and they tease the fans and all of a sudden they kiss. And I just got nothing out of it. But that's just me. Um, I, I think that other characters have way better chemistry, be it like platonic or not. Like Joyce and Murray, for example, they are great together. I mean, I love to see them banter back and forth. Um, when they when they've written Hopper and Joyce, especially, and I'll just go into last season, but they especially in last season, all they did was fight, and it felt fake. It felt like they're trying to create this spark, and it just wasn't there. So I, that's all. I'm not going to go. And, I just didn't like it very much. Um, but they do figure out that the way they can help the kids, which is kind of cool, is they make a plan to take down the the demogorgons from inside the prison camp in the hope that it'll weak, weaken Vecna. So that you've got all this stuff going on in Russia right. at the same time it's going on in Hawkins, which is super cool. And also, I think, it, are they still in L.A. too? Like a patch of them? The Dan. I don't know where they're at. But they've got three different things going on at the same time, having the same focus, which is to get to Vecna. And I really love the scene where they're, they're going in between where, uh, you know, Steve's throwing the Steve's throwing the Molotov cocktails. Then they cut to Hopper with the sword in slow motion. And I can't remember the music that's playing, but it's awesome. So, I mean, that's, Wow, I totally went off the rails on that. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I just, I personally don't like the Hopper Joyce uh, uh, storyline as boyfriend girlfriend. That's just me. You know, hmm, how do I feel about Joyce and Hopper? See, I like them together, but do I feel a deep chemistry? Like, oh, I can really feel it. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I feel a little bit of that, but do I think that they're good together and I like them as a couple? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, but it's not the same when you really feel something for two people and you're like, oh, my God, they have to be together. But I do see Joyce's commitment to him. That's the thing that I do right. see. I do see her committed to him. And that's and great so, that you say that because that's it is. It's awesome that she would get 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 go to Russia just from that one Russian, what do they doll. call it, doll that they broke open. That is true commitment, yeah. friendship or not. It's it was awesome. I like that. Yeah, I've said all along. I don't. I don't like the Joyce and Hopper thread. I, I would like it if it was Murray. I think her and Murray they they're great together. They're kind of goofballs, both of them, a little bit crazy. Um, and, and and I like Hopper in a friendship with her. I, I just don't think the romantic thing, it doesn't do anything for me. It, it feels out of place and it, and it feels a little bit forced. Um, but, you know, with Murray, she just seems yeah. more at home with her, who she is and with her personality. Yeah. So let's dig into 11 because she realizes that she has to piggyback into Max's mind to get to Vecna since they're so far away and they need to find get a salt bath, which I thought was so interesting. And for being stoned all the time, Argyle has been pretty helpful. 
I just thought, you know, the fact that he came up with the pizza place when he saw the tire treads, uh, he he's he's part of the team, right? He's yeah. got it. I just really like him. I just find him very funny. And uh, I, I just think he's a great addition. Yeah, it it is fun watching him. And, and in fact, I felt like he was such a weird bit character earlier. But now it's like when they really need help, when they're in this clutch position, they can count on it. And that was fun. So, you know, he rose up, he figured out the plan and, you know, that was really smart. So I thought that was good. Um, when, when he first started on the show, I felt he was a walking cliche. He didn't seem real to me. Um, I don't know anybody that talks that way except for Spicoli in uh, fast times at Ridgemont high. So he seemed a little disingenuous, but I will say he grew on me. And one of his quotes, when he said, you see this weird girl behind me, she needs a tub with a bunch of salt so we can enhance her psychic powers. So she can save the world from this super bad dude. And after that, I loved him. I thought that was really cool. And he comes through in an incredibly specific way where He's like, everybody's trying to think of the, where, where can we do the salt thing? And it just so happens that his pizza chain has a, has a six by three, whatever. I thought that was pretty cool. And that just really sealed liking him for me. Um, but he, he does become one of the truly becomes one of the gang. And the other thing that's great about him is all these supernatural, bizarre things are happening all around them as he's driving these kids around. And not once does he say, what's going on here? This is crazy. He just goes with it. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, doesn't question it and just goes with it. So I like that. Yeah. Argyle. He's, he's a cool guy. I really do like him. I like yeah. the addition of him. All right. So we have Nancy, Steve, and Robin. We have Dustin and Eddie. We have Lucas, Max, and Erica, and they're all in this four phase plan. So they have to get to the upside down. Erica needs to signal Max and Lucas when they're in position Max baits Vecna, which will put him into his trance in the attic of the Creel house. We see Dustin and Eddie will draw the bats away. Nancy, Robin, and Steve will kill Vecna. Hopefully, that's part of the plan. And we have Hopper and Joyce in Russia while Jason is spoiling the plan at the Creel house and Eleven comes face to face with Vecna. There was so much happening. What was significant in this finale for you? Okay. Uh, what was significant? Well, that's re- really tough because, as you said, there's so many balls in the air, especially at this point. But it just shows me how much the Duffer brothers, they have they, how much they've got going on. There's different types of stories. And, and one of these, this type of story is you have, I mean, you can go to the Lord of the Rings, for example, and they, they, they split parties up and they, one chapter is devoted to these guys, one chapter is devoted to these guys. And at the end, they all meet up for the final whatever. And they do that so well. And they've done it in every every season. And so I think that that, that was significant that you've got all these different groups. Um, and it's hard to do. So I think that um, Dustin and Eddie's task, and here we go, Diana. I'm going to go back to this where I should have put it the first time. Eddie's and Dustin's task of, of – luring the demo bats or whatever you want to call them away from the other group of people uh, by making a lot of noise. Um, 
that really stood out. It was significant to me only because one, I'm not a Metallica fan, but I don't hate Metallica. And when he started playing that, I got chills. It was awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. truly awesome to use that type of music to fight bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really cemented my love for that character. And and the fact that you know he had d- disclosed to Steve how jealous he was of Dustin's hero worship for Steve. You know, like uh, Eddie wanted that, and he, I just wanted him to, I, I he I wanted him to be a hero, and he was a hero. Yeah. Um, and when he, you know, told Dustin that he loved him before he was dying, that was that was still just a very powerful and emotional punch to the gut. Um, I think that what was really cool how they did the the interspersing of again, I'm going to say it, Russia, where they're killing the demo dogs and and they're killing the demogorgons, and they they go from that and slow mo, and they go to you know. Um, Robin throwing a Molotov cocktail at Vecna and they go back to the Russia thing yeah. where he's chopping the arm off of one of the Demogorgons. They go back to Steve throwing a Molotov cocktail. And at the end it's, it's a, uh, it's Nancy, you know, with the shotgun blowing him up, you know, blowing him away. And, and it was just very well orchestrated and very emotional. I think they did the ending very well, but uh, that the significant to me was how they pulled all of those things together. They did such a great job. They did, absolutely. What about you, Cindy? Yeah, I um, felt like there was a lot going on, definitely. And I, I think part with Eddie and Dustin, it, it was a really great moment. And, you know, and he makes a point to say, you know, I did it differently and I, mm-hmm. I'm i going to do it right. And he does it right. And then, of course, not a good ending to that, but, but it was just a, a really sweet moment between the two of them. So, and, and Dustin's one of my favorite characters too. So mm-hmm. I really feel yeah. like he shines and whatever he's doing. So. I agree wholeheartedly with you guys because I love that. I loved it. Everything, the introduction of Eddie and his relationship with Dustin. I just thought it was so important. I thought it was so needed. I think it was uh, so well done. I just like that whole relationship because Eddie comes and he rekindles this, um, the Dungeons and Dragons love that Mike and Dustin have, right? And he comes in and he's the leader of that. And and at the beginning, I wasn't sure how I felt about Eddie at the very be- first episode yeah. or two. I'm like, I don't know about this guy. And then he, yeah, he did run off. And you're like, why is he hiding? And they're blaming it on him. And I didn't think that much of it. But as each episode went on, you saw these different um, aspects of him. And uh, it, he just became, you know, such an endearing character after everything he did, and even more so in these last two episodes, and we see his relationship with Dustin. And I love that scene when they're out uh, preparing their weapons, and then they are kind of fooling around, and they're tackling each other, and he grabs him, and he's looking at him, holding him kind of in his arm at a distance, but holding him and saying, don't you ever change, Dustin. You stay the way you are. Promise me you're not going to change. And oh, I just thought it was, oh my God, such a bromance. I just loved it. And then, of course, we see the whole demo bats thing. And I loved, loved that scene when he got the guitar 
He went on the roof and he just played. I thought, this is so good. And I, I, I know I've said it so many times, but the Duffer brothers are so good at knowing what to put in this. I don't know. They're just, they're just magic. And I actually listened to a, an episode of them being um, interviewed. And I'm also going to put the link to that in our show notes, because I think it's really important. They give a lot of information about, you know, how they did this. They, and I'm sorry, I don't want to get off from uh, Stranger Things, but there's just a lot of information there that I think is really valuable. And um, it was really interesting to learn about them. And, but, and you know, Diana, real quick, that uh, I read that the actor that plays Eddie actually Joseph knows how to Quinn. play. He knows how to play that song. I know. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I've seen all the memes that they have and all the... Um, they have Metallica. Didn't he go? I think he went to a Metallica concert. I think yeah, I as their guest, there's been a lot of interaction between Metallica and him. And he, Joseph Quinn has gotten, has become so popular. People love him. People love his character. I don't know if you saw that. Um, it, it was a little short bit of him being on stage and how fans were saying how much his portrayal meant to them mm -hmm. and the people were the fan was i think he, he uh joseph quinn was being interviewed and the people weren't very nice that were interviewing him they were telling him just to talk and hurry up and then the fan basically stuck up for him said what she said which moved him to tears on his interview so it was just he seems like a really good guy yeah. and i saw him on jimmy fallon and that was really cool too so the actor himself seems like a really cool guy. And here, Eddie is a really cool character. Yeah. And so I I think that the fact that we get to see his whole character arc and then he dies, I think that's why it was so impactful because we didn't know how we felt about him. And then we grew to love him. And then he did something very selfless when he, you know, when um, Dustin went up and then he, he thought to himself he was going to go up that sheet and then he thought to himself, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give them more time. That's what I'm going to do. And then he runs off to give them more time and gets the demo bats to follow him. Oh, my gosh. And then he tells uh, Dustin when Dustin's down, you know, when Dustin comes to run to him and he says, I didn't run. I didn't run this time. And I'm like, oh, my God, Eddie, you're killing me. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he has a lot of fans. And so uh, it was just, it was a, a perfect character, perfect writing. So, yes, that was significant to me. And also was a lot of the relationships because we didn't really talk very much about Max and Lucas, which I thought was a really good scene, too, because... I feel like I haven't seen that much of Lucas. He's kind of been in the background, but I feel like he really kind of um, stepped up in this last episode, being really supportive of Max. And then when he had to fight against um, Jason, yeah, I just thought Lucas, uh, I liked seeing him and I liked seeing his character with Max. And I felt like Max revealed a lot to, to say all of that, what she said about her brother, but her brother was pretty cruel also. Yeah. But it was um, it was interesting how she did say all of that and how Vecna used that as Lucas 
because for a minute I thought he was really kind of saying that. I thought, Mm -hmm. oh my God, are you going to turn on her? And then, but we've seen Vecna do that with Max before when that happened with the mom. When he posed as her mom and now he was posing as Lucas because Lucas does love Max and is there for Max. So I really enjoyed seeing Lucas um, and Max and their relationship also. Okay, so we've talked about, Devin, you talked about how we had all these different scenes coming together, and we see Eleven and Vecna fight, right? right? And he has the upper hand for, you know, a majority of it until we see Mike talk to Eleven and give her the strength back that she needs to fight him back. And in doing so, we see what is happening in all the locations. Of course, Eleven's still in that piggyback mode. So even though she's not there present with them, she's in Max's memory. And at that point, Max actually dies. Yeah. And that's when we see that that's the fourth death. And we see what happens to Hawkins. Right. And all of this is happening. What did you guys think of all of this happening and all that and then all of the reunions that took place after that? Um, to be honest... So much was going on, and it was a little confusing for me regarding Max and Eleven. But I thought, actually, and it was kind of funny, when everybody kind of got back together, I don't think, and maybe I can go rewatch this or something, I don't think one person asked about Eddie. Like, hey, where's Eddie? It was just like he was just evaporated and never part of that group because no one mentions him. And I think that, yeah, it was very confusing, actually. The town gets utterly destroyed, and that was interesting because I'm thinking, and I think even Cindy and I were talking during it, well, how are they going to explain this? You know, Because they're not going to say, oh, a giant demogorgon caused all these rifts. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, and I think actually they did say it was earthquake, right? They said it was a massive earthquake. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. moving out. Right. But you know, how, can, how long is that going to last that people are going to believe that? Um, you know, so there's a giant gate opened and spewing these spores, which is slowly turning everything gray, which is, I'm assuming, killing it. You know, they even show the kids standing on that field of flowers and right. half of it is gray as you have this, you know, this fallout falling from the skies. Um, and Vecna won. I mean, he really did win. And that was interesting. Um it reminds me a lot of, I'll totally go off the rails here, but in Star Wars, you know, they win, they win at the end. And then in Empire Strikes Back, they lose. They lose at the end of the movie. The bad guy wins. And so I'm just curious is, how is this going to affect, like, did all four gates open or was there just one giant gate that opened at the end? I don't know. Um but how long is it going to take to basically eat the world up, right? To take it over. That's going to be an interesting race against time in the next season with mm-hmm. the kids actually trying to save the earth. And the other, and the other thought that I have on, you know, just all just as, as an aside is I really, like I said, no one mentioned Eddie. I don't think anybody said, Hey, where's Eddie? I don't think anybody said that. But when Dustin took the time to tell Eddie's uncle that Eddie was a good guy, that mm-hmm. was emotional for me. Yeah. That 
he said, Hey, he's not what you think he is. And he's not what they're saying he is. He's a hero. And I just love that part. And I'm sorry for my word spaghetti, but that's all I've got. on <laughs> Yeah. There was just a lot going on. It, again, it felt like all these things converging and, and I also was confused. Um, I was surprised that they had Max die for a minute. I, I really thought that part of the plan was going to mm-hmm. go as executed and or as planned that it was going to get pulled off properly. And um, I guess, again, it just goes to show that we really don't always know what's happening. And that's one of the interesting things about the show, even like losing Eddie and mm-hmm. things like that. We, we can't always guess. We and feel like, Cindy, that is a great point, by the way. I just want to interrupt you like I usually do. When I wonder if Max dying for that minute, because it was so esoteric to throw that in there, it, I wonder what that's going to do in the next season, if, yeah. if there's something to that yeah, that happened to her. So anyways, go ahead. Because they brought her back. And as I was watching the Eddie scene and thinking they can't let this character die. And I kept expecting that he was going to be injured. brought her back. I know. But in general, meaning I was thinking at the time that the Eddie thing happened, I had the exact same feeling like you can't let this character die. And then they let him die. And then they get to Max and she starts dying. And I thought, Oh my gosh, they're going to, they're going to kill another character. And then she of course gets saved, but it was too bad. They couldn't keep Eddie on. I hate to say it again, but I will. (laughs) Obviously we're very attached to him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciated Dustin talking to Eddie's uncle too. I didn't like that. They blamed Eddie as a cult leader. That really bugged me. They were saying that on the news. Oh, so they're still blaming him. So I'm hoping that Dustin does something to redeem his name out to the public, even though he's done it with his uncle. I'm hoping he does it going forward, too. Uh, with Eleven bringing back um, Max to life, I thought, oh, she has the power to do that? I think yeah. that's something new. Is that is that going to happen again? Or I don't know what's going to happen with that. And... Um, Oh, and Devin, you had mentioned the last shot, and I thought that was kind of a cool scene to see with all of them coming out from the woods and looking to see what the Hawkins look yeah, like. So, um, yeah, I just thought that that was a really interesting scene. So let's get to what was your favorite part in season four? Okay, I think this is right. But my favorite part, I think, in all of the season was when Eddie was selling drugs to Chrissy. And as crazy as it sounds, I feel that in that five-minute moment there, they really connected. They were from two different worlds, and yet they connected on a very, very real level. Eddie is an outcast and has a reputation for being bad, while Chrissy is a cheerleader and is part of the popular crowd. She remembers his band, though, which I wrote down was Corroded Coffin. (laughs) And he makes her feel good by making fun of himself. It's in this moment that Eddie steals my heart and they should have been shipping, but she kind of gets bent up like a pretzel after that. So that's my favorite moment in the, in the, in the, in the forest. Yeah. It's hard for me to pick out 
one favorite, but I think out of the whole, um, I don't know if it would have been this episode specifically, but in the whole season, um, I just really enjoyed watching Murray and Joyce and they're just calamity getting to Alaska or Russia, not Alaska. First they went to Alaska and then they went to Russia. And it was just this series of unfortunate events and they just kept coming and, you know, and then they finally get to the next place. And then there was the, the blackmail and the guy goes away and they have to, you know, attack him. And then they're at the gate and Murray starts speaking Russian. And it's like, I I just thought that they're really fun to watch. And I, it just added some comic relief. So. It did. It totally did. I just like this whole season, but I would say in volume two, it had so many good moments. One is with Eddie um, shredding the guitar. Uh, I just really, really enjoyed that part. I just loved seeing him be a hero. I really loved the scene with um, Will, Mike, and Eleven. Will, again, urges Mike to be there for Eleven, and he tells her how much, and Mike tells Eleven how much he loves her and that she is his superhero. It really warmed my heart. God, I just love these moments when they get so yes. uh, vulnerable mm-hmm. with each other and professor of, um, and that's what Eleven needed to defeat Vecna at that moment and actually caught Vecna by surprise. Cause he didn't think that was, you know, that she was capable of doing that. So Eleven has a dinner and we're going to keep seeing this come out in her as her friends are being harmed. Yeah. Just, Everything was so good, but I would say those were the two highlights for me. So I would like to know, what are you guys looking forward to the most in season five? Maybe do you have any theories? Um, I was reading about um, the Upside Down and Vecna and time travel and D&D. And so there's a lot of theories going on out there. I don't know if they'll use any of them. I thought time travel, they're going to use time travel. I I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, I guess anything is possible. So tell me what you guys are looking forward to. Gosh, I, I haven't read anything about, you know, that type of stuff. Time travel would make total sense uh, for the Duffers to do, because again, they're paying homage to uh, people like Spielberg and, and uh, Robert Zemeckis doing, you know, back to the future, that type of stuff. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they did do some sort of thread where one or two people go back in time to try to change stuff. I I, just on a, on a character level, what I'm looking forward to is I want to know what happens with Nancy and what's his name? What's his name? Jonathan. Jonathan. Um, You want to talk about a couple with no chemistry. I don't know if they even kissed in the last season. He was completely gone. Um, So let's see what happens. With yeah, and and of course my man Steve the Hair Harrington, uh, I I think he's too good for Nancy, and I think that he needs to find someone that's not in that group and have fun. I mean, a good a new good character that maybe he falls in love with. Um, but I would say after all of that, the number one thing I think they have to do is they have to involve Dustin's girlfriend more. She needs to be in. 
the group of people because I think her and Dustin together and they haven't been together very much at all shine. They are awesome together. Dusty, what's he called? Dusty buns. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that stuff. Yeah. I think for me, um, I think it'll just be interesting to see where they are. Obviously we've watched them grow up. So they're a lot older now and just seeing how far in the future some of this is and what the repercussion where they segue it into the future. Um, yeah. With one more season left, I guess my only hope for the season is, you know, when you get to a last season and sometimes shows try to rush to wrap everything up and it ends up ruining the effect. Whereas when you're just generally watching a show, you don't know if there's going to be another season. So you're not expecting everything to be resolved. But once they tell you it's going to all be resolved all in this season, it's going to end a great show will be able to figure it out. But sometimes great shows have kind of ruined their last season that have been so amazing. And then it comes down to the end and they, they don't get it right. So I'm just really hoping, I really hope they get it right. And they don't rush it. They don't just try to go through the checklist of, you know, and I have faith in it. I think they've done a really good job so far, but that's kind of my hope for, Whatever happens next season. Ooh, you bring up some good points, Cindy. That's so true. But yeah, I'm going to hold out faith for them, too, because they've been uh, such good creators and writers and directors. So let's hope they keep it going. So I'm thinking that Will is going to play an important role in season five because he's back now. He keeps getting those chills on the back of his Mm -hmm. neck. And so... um, I mean, he's going to play a, more, a pivotal role. And because it started in season one with him and the fact that he survived that, Devin, I can't remember if you said this last time we got together, but when I was saying who's going to survive and you said, oh, or who's not going to survive. And I thought you mentioned Will. Did you ask me who I wanted to die or who I thought would die? Who uh, we thought might I thought die. we right. talked about who we thought might die. And I thought you might have mentioned Will. But I can't recall if you said that. I agree with you, Diana, 100%. This is going to be, as they say in the film biz, circular static, meaning it all started with Will. He He was the one pushing the story ahead. And it's all going to end with Will. Um, Somehow, some way. And my, I, I, that's my guess. Yeah. That's what I think too. I also agree with you about Nancy. How, who's she going to end up with? What's going to happen? Is she going to go with, you know, Steve and the six kids? <laughs> Is she not? <laughs> she going to stay with Jonathan? Hey, you know, they're they're together in real life. Um, Nancy and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the actors, which yeah. I didn't know that going into this. So I just thought that was interesting. And, uh, oh, I know. In the Upside Down, time is frozen. Right. I want to know why. Why is time frozen down there? Well, and what time? So that's you, pretty interesting, too. Do you remember what time? I don't recall what time. Okay. Because that's important. I think that's no. important. Something happened at that time to freeze. Mm, I wonder. So does everything recall. that happens down there get frozen? Because wasn't Eddie killed down there? Wasn't he in the Upside Down when he died? Yes. yes he was. Yeah. 
So maybe you'll come back to life. <laughs> come on, Eddie. Maybe, maybe that's how they'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The the oh my gosh. That well, would just be super epic. That would be like <gasps> what if everybody gets released? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Woo, I like this. See, I love these theories. See, this is what happens when we talk. We figure yes. out ways things can happen. So the Duffer brothers did talk about how in season five, we're going to learn more about the upside down lore. Like it's really going to concentrate on that. So it'll be really interesting to see that. They talked about a spinoff of Stranger Things. And I found this really interesting they both said that Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike, they just think he is so incredible, like his mind and thinking, like he's like, comes up with these yeah. things and they're totally impressed. Hmm. And they think he's going to be the next young director. They had, wow. not, they had like, they just think he's like genius. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. And uh, just like they, when they, uh, when they saw his audition tape, they're like, that's, the, they all knew it's like, that's him. That's who we're going to cast for this. And that, I think the role was supposed to be a little bit different, but when they saw that him, they thought, no, this is it. He's got it. Hmm. So yeah, you'll have to check out that piece. I'll, I'll leave, uh, I'll leave that uh, in the show notes. So you guys, anyone can check that out. Oh man, you guys. That was only two episodes that we just talked about. Wow. It feels like yes. so much. Thank you guys for that. Thanks so much for your sure. insights, for having my wheels turn. I'm so excited for season five. I don't know when it's going to come out. 2024? I don't know. Wow. Well, well, we'll long. see. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. As long as it's not three years, <laughs> they cut it back down to two. Yes. Um, I don't know. We'll see when we see it, but uh, it'll be exciting when it comes. Awesome. So thank you for your insights on Stranger Things. Yes. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yes. It's always fun to chat well, with you. I know. It's so much fun chatting with you guys. Well, so do you happen to have any TV or movie recommendations before we uh, sign off here? You know, Diana, we're in a real rut right now. Like, I cannot. We've, we've watched some stuff. But it wasn't good, so we don't follow through. We just kind of bail out of it. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to test a lot of different shows. And we give it an episode or two, and then if it's no good, we just move on. Well, we like the boys. Oh, well, but I think I mentioned that in the last episode. Oh, did you? I don't yeah. think we had finished watching you it. You hadn't though. watched it. Yeah, you oh, hadn't yeah. finished watching it. Yeah, it was, it was real good. It's. I think I wrote, yeah, if you want to throw out your brain and get comfortable <laughs> – this one is going to – it turns the superhero genre really on its ear, and and it does it, – it has – it's a perfect vehicle for social commentary, and they do it in a fun, fun, over-the-top way. Mm -hmm. So I, I really – I recommend Boys, but it, it is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. No, it is not. So how far did you guys get? We're done. We're done. Oh, so you did all the way – you powered oh, yeah. through three yes. seasons, right? Yes. Yep. That's how we do it. Uh, that's, how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you roll. You're like, we try to do it. one or two at a time and just barrel. Through. Okay. So I will tell you on season three, I, cause I told you, I, when you both had started season one, I was on season three, but it took me a while because I can only take 
so much of that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm like, okay, two, one, two episodes. Like I, I, it's not like I can just sit there and watch all of them in one night. I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I have to take right. it in small doses. So I do like it and I do continue to watch it. And I am curious as to see what happens, but um yeah, it, it's pretty graphic, but uh, yeah, I just keep watching it. So it must, you know, has reeled me in some way. But I want to bring up something to you because you said social commentary. And I want to bring up that I just saw Nope at the theaters. Okay. Hmm. This is Jordan Peele's yeah. movie. Yeah. So good, you guys. So good. Wow. And it stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Young. Walking Dead. And uh, it's about two siblings who run a California horse ranch and discover, well, UFO or UAP, however you want to say it. But this is so different, so different than anything you've seen. It has comedy. It has Western. It has sci-fi. It has all these layers. There's all these different meanings. There's social commentary. There's It's brilliant. Jordan Peele's mind is brilliant. There's just so much underneath it's very intelligent please go watch nope in the theaters because it's it's a really good movie i'm just going to name these other three that you guys should take a, a shot at looking watch the gray man on netflix blackbird on apple tv uh virgin river may not be your thing but if for anybody who just wants to watch something lighter you could watch that so those are some things to check out and thank you Cindy and Devin for joining me today. I, Thanks, I appreciate Diana. it so much. So it's much. So fun. Oh, we're are... humbled that you ask us. It's fun. Well, I hope you come back again. Okay. We will. All right. Sounds All good. Right. Thanks, Diana. You're welcome. Okay. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please go to screensinfocus.com and subscribe to our website to stay up to date and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. We'll be on summer break and we'll be back with the Walking Dead universe in the late summer, early fall. Check out Screens and Focus blog for more TV and movie recommendations. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.